Hello, and welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets coming off a wicked open championship. Tom, if you guys can zoom in on his sunburn there, spent the weekend at Royal St. George's, so had a lovely time. Tom, how was your experience? Uh, if I told you that it was the most draining day of my life on Saturday, uh, followed by I don't know if I want to go on Sunday, followed by I had to jack in the shorts for trousers on the Sunday because I was so burnt, you get an idea of how my weekend was. That aside, it was lovely. Um, you know, it was really great to see, as ever, to see, you know, the world's best do it. Um, it really felt like, I mean, there was some, we didn't really get, it's tough when you're actually at the event, you look at the pins and they look tough, but you don't really know quite how bad it is. And then you read all the interviews afterwards and everyone was hammering about these pins. They're diabolical, worst they've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. Bobby Mack shoots a 65. Like, just play what you've got, right? You know, there was the anyone in the top five, I think, of the leaderboard in ties were all 68, 69s or better. Like, just play the, play the course, man. It's like, it had to have some sort of defence. They had rain up into the lead-up, perfect weather for the weekend. It wasn't open conditions. That is the only one thing that I'd say against, not against Colin Murakawa, because you can't take anything away from him, but just... I don't know if he'd have been able to put in such a domination performance when it was maybe a bit of true or, you know, it's an energy a bit different. Any, any one of the tougher ones, you know, Scottish weather, um, even a bit of, you know, wind and rain. So take nothing away from him because it was class, you know, top iron player. Um, there was so much love for Louis Eustace. I cannot believe how popular that guy is. Um, you know, you think about Jordan Spieth, you think about Brooks Kepp, you think about John Rahm, you think the crowds are just going to disperse to them. Um, I know he was in the final group on, on both days, but the will for him to win was just extraordinary. I know he deserves it. Um, you know, he's earned that by finishing second in the last two and God knows how many top threes elsewhere. But uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. You think he was British. That's how I would say. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's cool to hear from the grounds, the Louis support, of course. You know, that's a, a lot of fun with how Morikawa really did deliver every single hole, you know, pin high just starts making every single putt. Um, I do agree. Of course, that the weather didn't show up. I I do think they tested them very extreme on on Saturday and was lovely to see what McIntyre pulled together for the weekend. If that's, you know, our, our European tour guy from what we, um, you know, I've been following the last couple of years made for the open championship still is yet to miss a cut in a major and now gets a chance to three M open this week where he, you know, can get himself with special temporary membership uh, and really deliver and make himself a full-time PGA tour member. You know, these are the opportunities these guys really need to take advantage of the, the golfer that unfortunately didn't take advantage of the opportunity. And I found myself with a long, hard stare at the mirror back at myself and, you know, Guido Migliazzi bogeying 17 on Friday afternoon after he eagled on the par five on 14 had some tough lineups found myself just searching through the kazoo open entry list Friday <laughs> afternoon when everyone else is celebrating, you know, with the open championship we have, but I bet you I'm as prepared as anybody for this week, you know, outside of Gareth Bale, you know, I might be the only other one who's this prepared Tom. So I'm ready yeah. to get into this week at Celtic Manor. I was waiting for the whole like, hello darkness. My old friends are playing in the background when, uh, when Guido missed the cup, because, you know, I've got a you know uh, a Benny Ann side to him for our guy Phil on on Twitter. Couldn't couldn't quite get you a Guido <laughs> one, but uh, you know it, it is what it is. You know I think the run had to come to an end somewhere. Um, we we weren't sure where we how how much open would have suited him. I think also just you know going back and forth between the states and Europe, something he's not done before. All these different factors, right? I mean it was there was different sides of the draw. 
There's so much. I mean, we had a couple of guys that we, we picked from from the lower half of the DraftKings that, that showed up really nicely. Um, so pretty happy with that. I think that, uh, you know, McIntyre, um, we won't go into it too long because they're open, but in terms of your uh, Ryder Cup permutations, I think it's a massive, massive thing that Shane Lowry has got that, um, you know, automatic spot at the moment. Because I think Podrick wants him to be in the team, yes. but doesn't want to have to pick him because there's a bit of an Irish bias always wanting to have him alongside. He's just forced the issue. And now Padre's kind of got, I think Sergio and Poulter are probably locked. Um, I don't know, but I'd find it very hard to leave both of those out. Um, and then I think it just literally comes down to Rose and McIntyre. Um, I think Padre's a guy that kind of thinks outside the box, thinks about the long-term future. McIntyre is, you know, not volatile, but he's a guy that can go and win you a match and, and lose your match very quickly, whereas Rose, I think, is very steady and will just grind it out. So it just depends what you want. If he wants the experience to go out over to uh, an away game, uh, then then that might be it, and that might work against Bob. But uh, he's, he's doing enough. He just needs probably another... Uh, I think he needs to contend, really, before the Ryder Cup comes along to uh, to really secure his spot. Yeah, and I, I mean, I do think he's a perfect course fit for whistling straights. You know, the way he drives the ball, I think it's really exciting that he, you know, now has a chance that... that uh, captain pick with Victor Perez, you know, dropping out of qualifications. Mm. I, I absolutely agree that that does make a big opportunity for one of these selections and, and Bob withdrawing and playing at the 3M transitioning us into the Celtic Manor and the kazoo open, you know, it does make a big difference on the odds board. Yeah. You know, if we look at the kazoo open here, um, you know, if we start by looking at the course, you know, we saw this played twice last year. We saw the Celtic Classic and then the Wales Open with, um, you know, the first winner being Sam Horsfield at 18 under um, battling out Thomas Dietrich and uh, Thomas Peters, the Belgian Bombers, finished second and third that week when the Wales Open played only at eight open or eight under, excuse me, for Romain Langoske winning that event, which actually was kind of a mess down the stretch. He he ran away with it. Um, a little bit early on, he shot a Sunday 65 when the other guys really had a chance to catch them late. Uh, but a couple of water balls from Sebastian Soderberg um, and just other guys, Sammy Valamaki, not delivering late, making putts, left it open. But, you know, a, a huge difference in kind of those two weeks from a winning score. So excited to see where we find the mix of that. But this did provide, um, I think, some some really good events. And it's just really a course that ball strikers should feast on. Yeah, I mean, look, it was eight under when Lingasque won, it was 18 under when Horsfield won. So like you say there, two contrasting styles. If you look at the history of the Wales Open as opposed to the Celtic Classic, because they, they had to, to, to funk that Celtic Classic up, right? They had to, it was a new event. Um, I, I don't quite know how they're going to go with it. I, I don't know if it's going to be back to, to what the Wales Open was like, where it was kind of eight under wins, 10 under wins. But there was even back in uh, 2008 when it first went to the 2010 course, Scott Strange won at 22 under. Graham McDowell, 15 under, which you don't really associate with Graham McDowell. He's more of a grinder, low score, you know, high scoring events, if you like. Um, so I, I would say if you get to double digits under par, you're probably up there at least. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's very hard to make predictions on winning scores. We, we wouldn't have predicted 15 under for the Open Championship. It just happened to be there wasn't a breath of wind there, as I found out. Uh, so um, I think it's one of those events where you just... I, I mean, we the style of our show, right, is to pretty much oppose the favourites. Um, it, it pays off a lot of the time, but, uh, you know, it, it, but Matt Wallace, right, uh, very quickly, because we're not going to bet on him. I don't think anyone goes to this golf tournament and goes, I'm afraid of Matt Wallace. Like, oh, God, I've got to beat Matt Wallace this week. Like, I, I, 
I just don't think you do. I think Sam Horsford has a little bit of that. I think he's got a bit of pedigree that's probably beyond some other guys. And then you've got Justin Hardy and Aaron Rye. I like Justin Hardy. I've put him up a couple of times. Aaron Rye is a good player. We're talking about an awful lot. None of them strike fear into me. And, and the selections that I've made, I think, are all very much a case of, yes, they may not have won yet, may not be the, you know, the best pedigree in terms of winning, but I don't think they're going to be scared if they find themselves an opportunity. Yeah, and I took a long, hard look at a few of those guys, really under 30 to 1, that, you know, man, the, the numbers had really dwindled. Aaron Rye is specifically one that we were betting, you know, 50 to 1 yeah. at the Scandinavian Mixed, you know, not that long ago. And he played excellent last week at the Open Championship, you know, with stroke behind Casey to be the, the low Brit of the week. Um, and, you know, I think over or the low Englishman, you know, I think um, for, for Rye, you know, we've seen that trending form really transition and he's deserving, I guess, in this field to be priced where it is, but I just can't be putting my money there. The other one, I mean, of course, you know, Adrian Otegi has been also trending in a sense. He really gave us 54 holes, um, you know, two weeks ago where I thought he had a chance to cash that each way. The one that I really, really thought I'd be betting this week and did not anticipate a 28 to 33 was Matthew Jordan. You know, maybe it's, particularly the success he had here, one of the events finishing third. It is also three straight top 20 finishes with good approach numbers. But man, that is like, you know, three, a third of the number, you know, we could have been betting on him not that long ago. So I've left all of that, um, you know, off of my card. We'll be playing those guys on DraftKings that we mentioned, Justin Harding too, I think is in great form, was up on there in the Open Championship board. But I have to take a step back before I'm betting any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, when I put my shortlist together before the event come out, just look at the entry list, Aaron Rye, Jordan Smith, Adrian Otegi, Matthew Jordan were just the guys that you, you'd fancy as, as your main runner, right? But, and I'm not surprised at their prices either. I mean, Jordan Smith is a little bit short than I expected. I expected Matthew Jordan to come in as he did because he's been a very popular player since he's come on tour, pretty early success in terms of contention. But, uh, you know, and outside of Rye, you know, Smith and Jordan Otegi, Otegi maybe not so, but Jordan and Jordan Smith, very much got question marks over their win equity. Um, and, and you don't need that at 25 to one. You need to be dead certain and then getting a win. You know, I'm gonna my you know selections are gonna start and yours are gonna start off at 40, 50 to one range. Um, I'll just try and take the each way value even if they haven't quite got the uh, the highest ceiling. Yeah, that's that's really where when I looked at myself, you know, and really debated Matthew Jordan versus my first selection of Chan Kim is where my card begins. Basically same odds, you know, Chan, you know, there were some 35s out there um, that, you know, are intriguing, but even the 33s, if they were neck and neck, you're looking at somebody who's a five-time winner on the Japan tour, who has been in the mix at major championships, you know, top 25 this year, top 15 in the past, you know, somebody again, who is ripping off top tens like crazy on another tour, getting himself in the top hundred in the world. And now coming off a, a pretty decent open championship, he, he really struck the ball well. He's very, very long off the tee, can take advantage here with his ball striking. I, I just have to go with that pedigree that he has when those numbers are the same. So I absolutely think Chan Kim, you know, this is the first time we've seen him on the European tour, um, you know, since we've really been obviously this year, but, you know, in the last few years, he has not teed it up over here. So I'm excited for him to take that opportunity, maybe launch himself into a tour card over here and make his way through the ranks outside of just the Japanese golf tour. And that's what you have to think is a motivation, right? There's got to be a reason he's playing in the Wells Open this week. He's going to be trying to secure himself some playing rights. Um, like you say, 53rd last week, nothing really to shout about, but 23rd at the PGA Championship, 
top 15 at the Open Championship prior to that, obviously has a certain pedigree of playing these Open Championship layouts. Um, Celtic Manor isn't that, but it is, you know, UK-based. And and like you say, he's got an opportunity now. We've, we've spoken so many times about winning is winning and, and all different tours. And when guys haven't got it versus a guy that has, and yeah, okay, it's in a different, different level. But I wouldn't say the Japan tour is, it's really hard to tell because we don't watch it week to week. But I imagine it's still quite competitive. You see different guys win all the time. We see a lot of guys put together second, third, fifth, but, you know, quite consistently. Very Richie Kawa goes back over there an awful lot. Uh, Takumi Kanaya, who we've been speaking about, has some very early success there. I think they come out younger and better very quickly, but I think you can translate. I mean, you go right back to what we mentioned it last week, kind of in the Open Championship. Todd Hamilton, you know, had a really, very good time in Japan, kind of went out of everybody's mind, when him on the PJ Tour, took it over to majors. You know, I'm not saying Chan Kim's going to do that, but it's, it's just you need to keep an eye out. We've already seen with Garrett Higo what he's done by going... Sunshine Tour or Big Easy Tour, Sunshine Tour, European Tour, Challenge Tour, PJ Tour. Like it's just very, very, very quickly. And it's just a case of you every time they go up a level, everyone goes, no, they can't do it at this level. Um, and then we learn, don't we? Um, I don't think the number is absolutely huge by any standards, but, uh, but it's certainly good enough. And uh, I think we're pretty much aligned on our next selection as well. Yeah, you can go ahead and introduce it. Yeah, so Danny Van Tonda, um, you know, is a guy that you, uh, to credit, has have been putting up for an awful long time, purely, I think, based on his off-the-tee um, standards, you know, big driver for the golf ball. Um, that's going to be, it should be a factor here. Um, uh, one of the things that people said is it's not a bomber's course, but I think it certainly helps. And I think that the fact that you can kind of, you can score that way is a massive thing. I think that's what Sam Horsfield done that, Petrie and, and uh, Peters would have taken that approach as well. So you can attack it. Um, and it certainly gives you the opportunity of risk reward uh, around that back nine. So I think he's got a great chance. He's obviously tied seventh after 30 50 Open Championship. No big surprise, is it, to see him uh, fall away? Um, but he was his second in tee to green he was at the PGA Championship um, earlier on in the year. So we know the pedigree of this guy that we're talking about. 12th um, at the BMW International Open before that kind of miscut back at the Irish Open and Scottish Open. Um, and you obviously won Kenya early on in the season. So I think for me, and and why I've put in, as we go into my next pick as well afterwards, why I've gone with the other guys, I think Daniel Fentola is maybe a bit more volatile when you type of, you know, he's kind of boom or bust, maybe he's going to contend, maybe he's going to miss the cut. Um, but I think his feeling is so much higher than all the players around him at this price range. Yeah, and it's why we get value, I think, at the number. And it's probably why we'll end up getting value potentially on Guido if if these miscuts, you know, run together. Hopefully they do not. Hopefully he's got a gold medal in a couple of weeks. But, you know, these golfers that are spike weeks versus, you know, missing the cut, like it almost feels at times, you know, when it's set up to them to be perfect, like it was for Van Tonder, what when we played him, I think we put him up right after that PGA championship the last time we'd saw him. Like it you know, just was something where it was almost too perfect, comes out, misses the cut, you know, Scottish Open misses the cut. And then he's literally up there, like you mentioned, you know, through 36 holes that is this going to happen? Is, is Van Tanner going to cash in each way? He's going to see himself in the mix. You know, those golfers that have the sporadicness, you know, he easily could be 28 to 33. So, you know, I, I view him higher in my opinion than like a Matthew Jordan type who I love this week. You know, it's just a different ceiling that exists and I'll keep going to the well if they're going to give us these type of deep numbers. So, I mean, really, what's the difference between him and Laurie Kanza in terms of upside is what I would say. I mean, not to pick on Laurie Kanza, but I think if Laurie Kanza was from America or South Africa or New Zealand or wherever, 
uh, he would be the same price as Van Tonder. I think there's a very much a bias around English players. We get very, very excited about him very quickly. Obviously, he earned his stripes, hits the ball incredibly well, but 20 to 1 and 18 to 1, I couldn't be, uh, couldn't be going there. Yeah, and, and Van Tonder's, you know, the best player in this field off the tee. And if you can do it, attack it like the Belgium guys did, I, I absolutely think um, that can be used to his advantage. And why it brings me to my next selection. If, if you looked at another golfer who went on a stretch of golf that, you know, I was shocked he almost didn't pull through with a better finish, um, you know, and almost a, a victory when Richard, Richard Manzo was in, what was it, about three-week stretch that he found himself really – in the thick of it, you know, the finishes, I don't think did it justice where, you know, his best finish was 12th at the Canary Islands championship. He had played decent at the Tenerife the week before. Um, and then again, kind of just slowly fell off the map when the course difficulties changed, you know, the, the elements was a little bit different, um, where he really could take advantage of how good he is off of the tee. He's an exceptional driver of the golf ball. Um, and we saw him come, come alive recently by open qualifying into the open championship. You know, I, I really do like taking a look at those guys that, you know, show a spike in golf relatively unknown to anybody that he was able to find himself in the open championship and then make the weekend, you know, again, it wasn't anything to be all that excited about, but for him, that's a huge deal and an opportunity where he's competing against the world's best. You know, he hasn't been doing that. And, you know, now has an opportunity to carry over that form, use that off the tee strength where you see him, you know, of sample size of golfers, you know, relative to him. I mean, he is gaining, you know, over six tenths of a stroke, top 93 percentile in this field over the last calendar year and a good amount of rounds, you know, was um, a winner on what the Euro Pro Tour um, in 2019 had a couple second place finishes on the challenge or actually one of them would have been the year uh the european tour because that year bank open right when we came back was a combined event but just a golfer that has extreme talent and that off the tee can you know kind of play that van tonder-esque theme we're going with yeah i mean uh, richard man so as soon as we kind of decided between the two of us or you know separately but you know it comes together in the same way that the off the tee was going to be so important richard man was the first guy that comes to mind right because that is his skill set. The only slight weakness with him is that that's almost where it ends. Um, you know, you, you have to wait for an iron week. You have to wait for a putting week and trying to combine those two. It's not like Colin Morikawa, a completely different kind of fish, but he hits his irons well every single week. So when the putting clicks, he contends and wins. Uh, Richard Mansell needs to kind of sh- figure two or three things out at the same time. But like you say, the upside is, and a bit like Danny Von Tonda, um, is that you know he's going to you know he's going to bomb it off the tee. I watched him at the Open Championship just uh, just this weekend, and you look at him off the tee and you're like, wow, that, that's incredible. You know, put his driving up there with the best I saw that day. Um, and then you just wonder when he gets down the hole and you haven't followed him, what quite went wrong. Um, but he'll figure it out. Like you say, he won on the Euro, you know, won on the Euro Pro, challenged on the on the earlier events coming out of the pandemic. Um, I don't think it'll be long. It's just a case that I think he's getting to that level now where. He's shown flashes and now he's got to build some consistency and get some belief. Um, but you know, these guys can pop at any time. Yep. And and that's where again value in the number kind of comes for, for Mansell. But I'd pass it over to you. Uh, I think you're staying um within the South African country. Oh, I know, I guess that's a little bit longer. Um, let's talk about Will Besselin. Yeah, so Will Besselin for me is a guy. The, we just talked about strokes going off the tee, not a bomber in the truest sense, 
but he's gained uh, strokes in four of his last. He's been inside the top five, sorry, in four of his last five events in strokes gained off the tee, which is absolutely huge. He's got an eleventh and a fifty-third place finish here. Uh, his current form, he's got well, three top twenties in the last five events. Just very, very, very solid. Uh, like I said at the start, I think there is uh, maybe a lack of win equity there. Um, and, and you're maybe looking for the place part, which is not something that really appeals to many people at, at 40 to 1. I don't suppose you'd be getting Jeff Weinberg betting that at 40 to 1, knowing he's not going to win. But uh, look, I just think he's a really, really solid guy that really only needs to go and have a shot around to, to really get himself into to winning contention. Um, so for me, I just I like the profile of the player. Um, I think I've put him up before. He was first in strokes going around the green the last time he played as well. So if he can keep that chicken action going uh, here at, uh, at Celtic Manor, then uh, I like his chances. Yeah, he's just a, a talented, you know, golfer who we've seen show up. I think a lot of consistency with with Bill, Will Bessling. I think over on DraftKings this week, he's only $8,400, which I think is a very, very fair price to be paying for him. Um I think the remainder of kind of what uh, I guess there's one golfer who's who's relatively kind of European tour based for for me, um, you know, the next golfer that I, I would like to go, go into is somebody who we haven't seen on the European tour at all this year, a golfer who was ripping up the PGA tour of Australasia. Uh, that's always difficult for me to talk about Australasia, um, but Bryden McPherson. Or, or Mac Fierce, I think is, is how you pronounce the last name, a golfer who was, um, I think it was almost a decade ago now where he won the amateur championship. I think that was 2011. So yeah, closing in um, or, or now a decade ago. And, and he had a ton of talent as an amateur comes out and, and really just was never, you know, getting through. I think he played in the, the open masters, this, both those cuts right after that, um, you know, qualified for the open championship in 2014, um, you know, never really did anything there, obviously missing the cut once again, but we saw a resurgence recently for him this year. He played in seven events and he had a fourth, fourth, 16th, first, 16th, second, first. So I was hoping in a sense, we might see a little bit deeper of a number, but again, this, this course or the field strength that we're dealing with, isn't all that strong, but to see him eighties, you know, I think that's relatively, you know, good enough for me to bite on when we see other amateurs uh, or golfers who are making their pro debut um, like Matthias Schmid, who played well at the Open Championship, is at 70 to 1. We see Vincent Norman, who's now played well in a couple of events, um, you know, in the 40s to 50s range. I think, again, pedigree on different, you know, tours. We see again with McPherson, somebody who is just riding absolute hot form. I don't know what he has been doing the last couple of months. That PGA Tour of Australasia has not had events that he's played in realistically since I think the first week of April was that last time we saw him when he won. So I'm willing to go back to him absolutely take that risk because the number is there. But again, it's just betting value versus what we've seen on the European tour. If you dig into some of these guys, you see the talent is is there with them. Yeah, and, and for me, like you talk about his pedigree there, you know, amateur champion, um, you know, by the University of Georgia, you know, it, it it's kind of, you look at again. We've just spoken about guys winning, and you know, winning just being winning, right? You've got the two wins that we spoke about on the PGA Australasia this year, uh, three wins in China, uh, two in 2015, one in 2017. Um, lost a playoff event in the the Asian Tour as well in 2017. So things could very quickly look very different for him. 
Um, and, and we see it, you know, people get written off so quickly in golf. We're all so fickle that they come out at 19, they finish tied sixth in an event, and we think they're going to go on and be Ryder Cup stars, major champions, etc. etc. Uh, then they miss a couple of cuts and everyone forgets who they are. Um, it'll be very simple. Like Vincent Norman misses a couple of cuts. If Matthias Schmid misses a couple of cuts in a few weeks, you know, they'll just stop talking about him. They'll hang numbers on them. Um, you know, he's he looks like he's he's turned his game around. I mean, that PGA Tour Australasia isn't the easiest to convert in terms of what does that form mean? Um, we've seen a couple of PGA Tour guys went over there in Australia, haven't we? And, and not bring it over to PGA Tour. It's really hard to figure out. But everyone talks about Elvis Smiley as being a big, you know, talent. He beat him last time out. Um, but first year of age is nothing, is it? You know, he's, he's had he's had a schooling of what, 10 years now, 2012, he's turned professional. Um, there's upside there. There's certainly upside. Um, it is just finding it on the week. And, and like I say to you all the time, you kind of identify these players when, when they, they make these first starts for a little while. Um, and maybe the number wasn't as big as we'd hoped, but if he puts in the performance you're expecting him to, which, you know, he very easily could, he's going to be 33 to 1 40 to 1. You're not going to have a chance, really. You see those guys at the top of the market that we're passing on, Smith, Atagi, Jordan, that's the peak. They're never going to go short in 25 to 1. They'll be 66 to 1 and 80 to 1 as soon as a couple of guys come into the field. So you don't need to worry about that. Get the guys in that are slightly bigger and uh, we'll back them then. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. And was able to, I think there was odds on that last tournament he had over here. So I think a cast like a 33 to one when he won that last event. So, you know, he's got to pay him back. Let's do it again. Yeah. Let's get an elevation that, that tour. So PJ tour of Australasia. No, no, I, I promise Guido. I got you, but um, no, we won't see the Australasia tour till August. So hopefully he's able to run some starts together. Cause again, no status elsewhere. It leaves you kind of in a spot, even though he's had such good results this year. Um, but staying off on the other different tours, um, you're going to Jacques Kruzwich, I believe is how you pronounce it. Was that okay? I mean, I'm going to hash it up anyway. I always call him Jack Kruzwich, but uh, as we mentioned in, in the group chat earlier, you know, we might not even be a real person. It's only something that's statistically in front of us that he might not even exist. Um, but look, I mean, all, you know, all Drake Society has been second in approach over the last 15 weeks, uh, 15th off the tee. Uh, limited starts in that run, so it's not exactly like he's doing it every week. But we've seen the upside of him, um, you know, in, in recent events on the European tour. He was 14th here um, at the Celtic Classic, shot 67-65 at a weekend. Just left himself way too much to do. He, he made the cut on the number, um, so just he couldn't win from there really. The way that the scoring was, um, but that was enough for me to kind of get interested. Just the way he's been playing. Last two starts on the Challenge Tour, 21st and 35th. Nothing to write home about, but that backs up a 17th at the BMW International Open. Um, and we saw him, didn't we? Fifth at the Savannah, fifth at the Magic Cranio Open, sixth at the Players' Championship. Again, all very homely for him, very comfortable. But then seventh in Austria, that 19th, uh, the, the 17th we just talked about at BMW International Open. There's just, there's just signs that he's kind of ready to branch over now. Um, showed it here at the weekend last year going to have good vibes about it. Um, so if he can keep those irons hot and uh, and get a quick start, I really like Jack Kreuzvick. Uh, I mean, I don't know what number you got over there, but he's 66 to 1 here. Yep. And and that's where, um, again, his approach game continued success. Every time we see it, it's, it's interesting with like him and, and Darren Fickard, your boy Jason will appreciate yeah. that announcement. He didn't like that, did he? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, 
we see them honestly they don't even always play that well when they get back to the sunshine tour and then they just come and show up every single time um when when they're playing on the big boy tour so i'm excited for those guys to continue that form and one you know one-stop shop that we have been utilizing for years and years has been mike miller's sheets and if for those that got a chance to see mike's note um today on twitter smart golf bets he is going to be hanging them up as he transitions his family back to New Zealand, um, which is so exciting for him. I know they have a, a pair of twins that are young, um, but Mike has been, you know, an OG in this industry from day one. I think it's a lot of us use as a, as a bouncing board for a lot of questions early on. How is he doing odds? How is he pulling all of this in, you know, relative to what it is? huge I know resource for you as you got that going so I think it's you know a, a shout out to Mike and everything he has provided this entire industry and you know cheers to him and his family on their next step yeah it, it might even start every you know that is you know there are other guys that do brilliant jobs out there in terms of spreadsheets and things and the information we can get we have resources that we know about um you know but certainly for him you know that's how I started that's how I started rising you know I was very much a big fan of golf. I'd had some success betting on it, so I wanted to start writing about it. But having that all just in a, you know, compartmentalized into two very clear sheets uh, certainly helps out. So yeah, as you say, wish Mike well, and uh, yeah, let him identify another you know winner for us before he goes. Yep, absolutely. And you know, with that, I want us to transition. I think I think we have each have I have two more selections. I know you have one more. Uh, at the same time, too, make sure if you are a big audio listener and you want to subscribe to us on any of the podcast platforms, you know, you can find us at European Tour or at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix. You can find us at any of those different platforms. Um, you know, we had a ton of success last week. That was really cool to see all the views we had on YouTube for us, subscribing on our Mayo Media Network channel there. We set a record for us last week, which was really, really awesome. We appreciate the support. Let's continue it through the stretch uh, of golf here. The next golfer for me um we saw the success of marcel scene last week at the open championship you know i'm sure the crowds kind of with him were a lot of fun loved you could it. always hear loved him fist pumping i mean he he definitely set a record you know higher than guido on the fist bumps <laughs> per hole ratio that he had going the man bun was in full force but for those that knew how close one of my favorite golfers from years ago was to claiming that spot in the open championship hugo leon almost beat him at the challenge tour event um, that previous week to gain that spot into the open championship Leon and and why I think you know I'm going to be going back to him he's available 150s 200s maybe if you're lucky for the week is he was an absolute stripe show when he was playing on the European tour he was off the tee success approach success just couldn't putt if you watch him putt it is awful it's really hard to watch he's actually like really bent over like in this matt kuchar-esque with his way with his legs really wide putting stance but also what i love about hugo leon i'm from michigan big baseball fan he rocks the tiger's hat when he's out there on the field so i had to make sure on the course excuse me when i had to make sure i, I looked up why it was he loves jim leland the old manager of the tigers when i was growing up jim leland just ripped sigs in the dugout all game long. He was a legendary manager. Um, and those were the, the glory years for me, for the Tigers. So Leon loved watching them play, got to see them when he came into the States a little bit. So he always rocks that Tigers hat. So you get him on the challenge tour, second place. He showed some flashes in rounds uh, previous. He didn't play well in Germany when he had a European tour start later, but again, continued success on the European tour. 
Each way, you know, at 150 to one pays quite handsome. So I'm going to be backing Leon this week. Before we have Wacky Nima Mito Pereira, we had uh, Hugo Leon. I'm sure he uh, inspired a generation, didn't he, he had, uh, in Chile? No, I don't think it was quite that much of an impact. But, uh, you know, like you say, just rock solid guy. Uh, you know, he, and he's had a bit of a renaissance. You know, when you, you talk about how good he was back in the day on the European tour, and you look at his OWGR, you know, standings, and he's got obviously he's got his wins in Canada and, and places like that. But fifth and seventh on the European tour in 2019 and eighth as well. You know, he, he just generally speaking is, is showing some some flashes over the last couple of years to suggest that he's really back in the game um like you say second to marcel scene we've already seen what and, and, and there's not a better example is there than what marcel seemed did last week as to what a second or a first or a fifth or whatever on a challenge door can mean you know form is form i can't can't you know stress it enough you know that's not to say that we're going to go and find a guy that played local kent open to go and win the open championship but Maybe we'll do later on. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, you see guys and they're, they're, they're challenged for contenders and you think, okay, well, they're not going to do anything open championship. We had a good week, whatever. Must have seen fist bumps his way into, you know, into top 20 finishes. So it's, take the chance. You know, you, it's a guy that you like. It's a guy that is hitting the ball well. Um, he has been untested on the European tour since, what, Portugal Masters last year? 21st in that. What more yeah. do you want? Uh, one thing I will always remember, so the the Czech Masters where he finished that fifth, you know, that was the week that Peters won. If you look at that leaderboard, Peters, Arnas, um, Schwab, EVR were all up there in that top five. Just if I think of guys who are flushers on the European tour when they have it, like that is that type of group. And that's what Hugo did that entire week. So I just have that really fond memory of the best of his game. And hopefully we can catch that and be early. Now you had one more pick a little bit deeper here. Uh, I believe he played actually last week in the Open Championship too, didn't he? He did. And he, he fired his way into open qualifying. Uh, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño has been a player that basically ruined his career by going to America. Uh, you have to take the chance. Uh, you know, he, he has a few Twitter spats. He's, uh, he's very vocal on there of his opinions. Uh, this is very much for the old course form Slappies in the sense that he has got ninth, 12th, second and eighth place finishes in four starts here. Um, it, you know, earlier in the season we put him up because he was 301 or whatever it was and he was hitting the ball really, really well. Uh, current form has completely abandoned him, um, which is why he's a number that he is on the course he absolutely loved. Um, but look, you know, he rolls into that Celtic manner, absolutely living the dream. Uh, you know, mid forties, got to find his way back. Um, if he's going to do it anytime soon, I would, I would suggest it's going to be here. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't hasten to say go and chuck all the money you've got on him, but, uh, yeah, I think he's one to, you know, I like to have one slightly down the leaderboard as, uh, or the, uh, the betting board, if you like, because of what you're going to throw in there. Um, and, and he was a guy that popped out to me. I, I kind of like these old man renaissances. We've had Richard Bland this year. Um, why not Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño? Hey, I really thought Richard Bland was kind of going to do it. He had an epic story. I mean, uh, a way he finished that that second round to make it to the weekend. I think it was like three under through his final five holes to get to even par. Fortunately, the weekend didn't go his way. But yeah, these these stories from from one side of golf, you know, we're seeing kind of a renaissance of of guys later in their career. But also, we are seeing more and more of these guys coming from the amateur game, coming from you know really young 
strong college or amateur pedigrees and, and translating. We say pedigree all the time. We've got to add another word to our vocabulary. Yeah, we need to go to course, but yeah. But, um, you know, seeing them just translate what they were doing into the next level. We, we see, I'm, I'm excited for Alex Fitzpatrick this week um, yeah. to make his European tour debut you know, one of, if not the best amateur in the game right now and commending, you know, the kazoo open for what they've put together on, you know, the, the invitation list, they, they, they knocked it out of the park, um, from who they've, you know, invited to this event. My betting board is, is filled with about half of them from, from that standpoint, but there was an amateur this week that I am elated to be on. And I was hoping we snuck through the cracks long enough that the, the odds were so deep and, and they are. He's literally the last guy in the field on most betting odds boards. And if that's not a sign for good luck, you know, I'm not sure what Bryce, the same as Andrew <laughs> Pavan that may be playing with one arm at the moment. Yes. But if we looked at it, so 1500 to one for James Ashfield, again, an amateur that literally nobody probably has ever heard of. He's ranked 657th in the world amateur golf rankings. Mayo tweeted the super bomb. This is our guy right here. And again, I have 1500 shots for one of these to pay off. So we have a long time that we're going to be running this show before you come back to me and say, your super bombs haven't hit yet. So, but James Ashfield has gone just four weeks ago. He was at the, uh, the amateur championship. So getting through um, all the way to the final four. And that is, you know, one of the biggest amateur events that you can play overseas, getting into the final four. He turns back that up and then he finishes at uh, fourth at the next amateur event. And then at the Cheshire Stroke Play Championship. Okay, we're getting deep here. I understand it, but it's his home course. That guy goes, you know, out there and he wins by 12 strokes. 12 just lights it up absolutely dominates them if you looked and saw one of his rounds that he puts together on here i want to i want to read it verbatim from the tweet out here you know it says most remarkable round of golf you have ever seen wales golf star james ashfield goes plus five after four to minus seven after 17. he opens double bogey par bogey double bogey and then he goes birdie, eagle, par, par, eagle, par, par, birdie, 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 eagle. And he just had to bogey the last, you know, why not? So he wins an amateur Check event. Yeah, he wins an amateur event by 12, two weeks ago. And then he wins again last week, two weeks in a row, amateur victories. He is a home country star per this tweet that is out there, 1,500 to one. Tom, you don't need much for me to, to ask, you know, to get on these long shots. But if we can wait until like maybe tomorrow afternoon till the top 20 markets come out, because if we flood the market now, you know, he's going to be minus 110 to top 20. I've seen this story before. Mayo tweets it once, they take it off the board, and then it's down to, you know, in each way if you're lucky. But, you know, James Ashfield, 1,500 to one. I am always willing to take these shots and these stories in form golf, form, form stays hot. So he's, he's the super bomb of my week. 300 3000 plus listeners last week and uh and a 1500 to one winner we'll soon be having that magic spoon cereal advert that's uh Pat Mayo <laughs> loves it. and uh look i'm i'm all for having a bowl of fruity uh, magic spoon cereal so look that is what we're that's the aim that is no that's how you know you've made it the 15 1500 to one winners are what gets you there um 
I can't add anything. I mean, you you've summed it all up. I, if I if I sat here and said anything on top of that, it would be completely fraudulent because I do not know that this man exists. I mean, we joked about Jack Royswick not knowing he exists. He was sixty six to one. So this guy is fifteen hundred to one. You know, he's six hundred and fifty seventh in the world amateur rankings, but he's done that. You know, as we've said, Cheshire Open. I, the only thing I know Cheshire about is the zoo. So I mean, you know, if they've got an amateur star down there, then uh, let, let's go down there and watch him. Um, it's only about five hours away, so why not? Um, look, fifteen hundred one. Put a bow on it. What I would say, all joking apart, this is not. This is a European tour event, but I don't think there's. It's going to sound a bit harsh on the people at the top of the market. I don't think it's far removed from a challenge tour event in terms of depth. I think once you get outside the top 10, 15 players, those guys wouldn't look out of place trying to, you know, contend in in a challenge tour event. You know, we, we've put guys up at Wrestling, we've put Dan Fonda, we've put these are guys that are playing mixed of Sunshine Tour, Challenge Tour. Okay, you've got sort of players like Ross Fisher and, and people that are putting out things, but who have we got here? Josh Geary's playing very, very well, Challenge Tour level. Paul Peterson, um, yep. Paul Peterson, exactly. Coming back from Renaissance, that was the next one there. You know, guys are just very, very solid at that second tier. Um, Ryan McPherson, like you said, you know, we don't know that he's not going to go on to different things. Julian Guerrero, it's just so many different people that are just very good at that second tier. And I think we're now going to see a guy, if, if he's going to make the step up in a, you know, and get to the professional ranks, this is a good test for him. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, we don't miss the cut on Friday. I spent 48 consecutive hours studying the entry list of the kazoo open. So I was ready for that moment. I could barely sleep last night waiting for James Ashfield number to come out on the market. So um, Tom, if you can review it for us, how's your betting card? Yeah. So I'm going in uh, Danny Van Tonder is a, has an early pick there for me. It's uh, I think he was 50 to one of you guys earlier on. So uh, really nice there. Will Besseling at 40 to one. Jack Kroisovic, the, the the well-known South African in comparison to your your Welsh superstar. And uh, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, if there's any good vibes there for the course form, then he's the guy to go. I'm not talking so, now, apparently, either. <laughs> yes. So I'm Chan Kim, 35 to 1. Daniel Van Tonder, 50. Richard Manzel, 75. Brian McPherson, 80. I was so excited to talk about Hugo and James Ashfield. I forgot about Jack Senior. He was up on that leaderboard through, you know, 27 holes, start of the weekend a little bit. And he's done that time and time again. So Pat, tweet this out. I'm on Jack Senior, 90 to one as well. Hugo Leon, 150 to one. And James Ashfield, 1500 to one. Take it to the bank, folks. Let's have a kazoo open. And guess what? Olympics next week. Did you see the news, Tom? Frankie Molinari had to pull out, which means Dubai roommates, Guido Migliazzi, and Renato Peratore are teeing it up together in the Olympics. What a story. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And when they get gold and silver and uh, take that back to, to Friday Cups next year or the year after, it's going to be amazing, isn't it? You know, they're going to fly over to Rome. We're going to have ourselves a week. And uh, yeah, it's all, it's all written in the stars, especially when they change Ashford wins this week. Hey, amen to that. We'll have enough to definitely have a celebration. We can, we can, we can get there. some of those net jets flights and have some magic spoon on the ride over. It's, uh, it's the way of living the dream. Amen. Well, good luck, everybody, this week. We appreciate your support. Let's continue to break records of listeners for us and enjoy. Everyone, good luck this week.